0: Last week, uh, we started to take a dive into Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9, specifically looking at verses 4 through 7. We looked at the main idea of rejoice, the Lord is at hand. Paul showed us in verses 4 through 7 that we are to rejoice always, that we're not to be anxious about anything, and that we are to pray about everything. And all these things are possible because, as we learned in verse 5, that the Lord is at hand; He's with us. And in verse seven, we were left with a promise of peace, because as we walk with the Prince of Peace in prayerful dependence on Him, we naturally gain that peace from Him. We discussed how verses four through nine are kind of like um, <clears throat> a coach who has coached his team all through the preseason, and they've went through all the practices and the sweat and the preparation and now they've come to the first game of the season, and the coach only has time to give them a few quick reminders before they take the field. So these are the last few important reminders of action that Paul wants to get across to them. These verses can also be seen much like a doctor's visit. A problem is described, a diagnosis is made, prescriptions are issued, and long-term preventative measures are put into place for better health. In verses 4 through 9, the diagnosis is anxiety. Paul tells us not to be anxious in this passage about anything. And we also looked at Matthew 6, where Jesus himself talks about anxiety four times. And each time he says either not to be anxious or questions why we are anxious. The Lord does not want our lives to be marked by anxiety. And Paul echoes that in verse 6. There's an immediate prescription Paul gives us for this, and that is prayer. Casting our anxieties on the Lord because he cares for us, as we learned last week in 1 Peter 5. And again, that word for casting is also used in Luke 19 when the disciples cast their cloaks up onto the colt that Jesus rode into town on during the triumphal entry. So it's a casting upon, a throwing upon, a letting go of. Remember, we're supposed to unhitch from the the anxiety trailer. Many of you like that. and Cast our anxieties on him because he cares for us. So as we move into verses 8 and 9 this week, Paul gives us two more long-term prescriptions to deal with our anxiety as we move forward. He tells us to proactively set our minds on the things of the Spirit, and we are to follow the example of godly believers in our lives. We're to glorify God with our minds by thinking about what is true, what is excellent, and what is worthy of praise. We read in Matthew 22, 34 through 38. But when the Pharisees heard that he, I meaning Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. So we're to love the Lord our God with all of our minds. So we'll be encouraged this morning with the main idea that we need to set our minds on the things of the Spirit. Now this idea, this phrase comes straight out of Romans 8 and it kind of encompasses everything that we're going to talk about in verses 8 and 9 here. So let's go ahead and read all of verses 4 through 9, just to backtrack a little bit too. And I hope we can do what we did last week. I'll read the even verses, and you as a group can read the odd number verses. So I'll read 4, 6, and 8, and you would read 5, 7, and 9. So here we go. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. All right, you guys did pretty good on that staying together. And God's people said? Amen. And all God's people said? All right, all right here we go. If you weren't here last week, sorry about that. (laughs) Amen and all right. So our first point for today is that we need to allow the Holy Spirit to lead our thoughts. We need Him driving all of our thoughts. In verse 8, we see eight different qualities that we are to set our minds on. What is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, worthy of praise, Now, while each one of these deserves its own study, we're going to zero in on three of them today that seem to sort of uh, round up all eight of them. We're going to be looking at what is true. We're going to look at what's excellent and what is worthy of praise. This is what the mind of the mature believer looks like, as Paul describes it to us. Now, first, we as believers need to absolutely be thinking about what is true And to be able to do that, we need to be able to discern what is true, in fact. Now, you may have heard the account of the bagpipe player who played at a homeless man's funeral. I don't know if you heard about this or not. He says, as a bagpiper, I play many gigs. Recently, I was asked by a funeral director to play at a graveside service for a homeless man. He had no family or friends so the service was to be at a pauper cemetery in the Saskatchewan backcountry. As I was not familiar with the backwoods, I got lost, and being a typical man, I didn't ask for directions. I finally arrived an hour late and saw the funeral director had evidently gone, and the hearse was nowhere in sight. There were only the diggers and crew left, and they were eating lunch. I felt badly and apologized to the men for being late. I went to the side of the grave and looked down, and the vault lid was already in place. I didn't know what else to do, so I started to play. The workers put down their lunches and began to gather around. I played with all my heart and soul for this man, with no family and friends. I played like I've never played before for this homeless man. And as I played Amazing Grace, the workers began to weep. They wept, I wept, We all wept together. When I finished, I packed up my bagpipes and started for my car. Though my head hung low, my heart was full. But as I opened the door to my car, I heard one of the workers say, I've been putting in septic tanks for over 20 years. I ain't never seen nothing (laughs) like that. probably faked you out with that one. Huh? <clears throat> the bagpiper didn't confirm what was correct, did he? Didn't confirm what was true. Now scripture tells us that we are to test everything. Romans 12:2 says, "Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect." 1 Thessalonians 5.21, Paul tells us, test everything and hold fast to what is good. Now, if the last few years have taught us anything, it's that we can't always necessarily place <clears throat> our trust in once-trusted institutions or news organizations. There's deception all around us, intentional and unintentional. Now, as believers, we can't jump onto bandwagons or beliefs that we have not tested to be true. If we do, we risk looking foolish and losing credibility with people around us. We have to test and verify everything that we see and hear and be patient for the truth. If we can't test or verify, we have to pray for wisdom and let it go. I sincerely would expect you all to be testing what I'm saying to you this morning as brothers and sisters. Now, to be able to test what information we do take in or what's going on around us, that means we have to know God's Word, the source of all truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's the bread of life, the living water. That means we need His Word on a daily basis. We can't lose the spiritual discipline of taking in God's Word every day. In times that seem to be growing darker by the day, sometimes by the hour, we need to remember Psalm 119:105, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Now one great way to do this is to memorize scripture. This might be a lost art these days. The psalmist also says in Psalm 119, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Now, isn't it interesting the reason the psalmist gives here for storing up God's word in his heart? That I might not sin against you. The psalmist here understands that to keep from being pulled into the world, into the ways of the flesh, to keep from being pulled in by lies, that he has to store up God's word in his heart. Now, J.D. has mentioned this in the past as well. You know, what if at some point, and this scenario is not quite as unheard of as it was you know, two decades ago, what if we're put in prison for our faith? Or what if God's word is confiscated? What are we going to be able to share with people out of our hearts that we know in his word? Or even if we're just ministering to someone on an everyday basis at work, and we don't have a Bible in front of us, and there's an opportune moment, what are we going to share with them? Memorization is a great tool to bless others with. And now we also see a great connection here regarding God's Word about prayer as we discussed last week. Now we talked about Romans 8, how the Spirit helps us as we pray, and how awesome is that. But we see this week the Spirit also helps us to recall what we've learned in God's Word. Let's look at what Jesus said to his disciples about this in John 14, verse 26. This is so great. He says, but the Helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. Think about that. The Spirit brings to remembrance all that Jesus said to us through his word. So not only does the Spirit help us as we pray, but he helps us to remember God's word that we've taken in. Now, have you ever had a time when you minister to someone and they were blessed by it, and you walked away and thought, now where did that come from, or how did I remember that? Well, we know how it happened. The Spirit helps us in those moments and brings things to remembrance of His Word. Now also, not only do we need to be able to understand what's going on around us in regards to truth, but we need to understand what's true within us. It's so important that we as believers as the world mocks, that we remember who we are in Christ. As lies fly our way about our identity in Christ, we are told in Scripture to take decisive action, decisive action in our minds. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 through 6, we read, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Now listen to this. We destroy Arguments, destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Now listen to the language there. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive. Now this word for captive is an aggressive, warlike term meaning to capture or subdue an enemy. We're called to love the Lord our God with all of our minds, and part of that is the intensity of taking unholy or untrue thoughts captive and making them obedient to Christ. The enemy wants us believing that God has not done his work in our lives, that we are not really God's child, that we're still drowning in God's wrath. But we know better. We know better from God's word. Colossians chapter 1, 13 and 14. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So as believers who have faith in Christ, we've been transferred from darkness into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God's beloved son. And I love what Paul says in chapter 3 of Philippians, verses 13 through 15. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And he kind of underscores it here, let those of us who are mature think this way. Now as we're tempted to fall back into guilt or shame, regarding something that we've done in the past, that we've already been set free from. What a beautiful thing for the believer to hear that we have biblical permission to forget what's behind. One of my favorite songs is More Than Conquerors by Wren Collective. There are powerful lines in this song that declare our confidence in Christ and his finished work. Our war against sin and shame. They read... We are more than conquerors through Christ. You have overcome this world, this life, and here we go. We will not bow to sin or to shame. We are defiant in your name. We're defiant of sin and shame in his name. We boast not in ourselves, but in Christ and the work he's done for us. Now, is there something from your past that you've already brought to the Lord it's bringing you guilt all over again. We'll be, let it be known this morning we have biblical permission here to forget it. Biblical permission to forget it. And Paul even says, let those of us who are mature think this way. Now, of course, we learn from the past, but in Christ we forget the guilt. We move forward, as Paul says, with the knowledge that we are now God's child and, Paul, <clears throat> and that we have been transferred from darkness into the kingdom of his beloved Son. We also know that the Lord will complete his work in you as his child. He tells the Philippians in chapter 1 that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. God doesn't leave his work unfinished, he finishes the job, and we are his workmanship. Now, our family loves the movie Overcomer. I don't know if, has anybody seen Overcomer in here. Okay, great movie. This is about a troubled teen who decides to go out for the high school cross-country team. She has a problem with stealing and generally struggles about not knowing who she is. Long story short, the principal and the cross-country coach both minister to her throughout the movie, saying, you know, you have a a loving Heavenly Father who will take you in if you give your life to his son Jesus. And so she eventually does and repents of her stealing. And soon after this, her uh, cross-country coach doesn't know this, she walks into a room of students and teachers and says to the cross-country coach, ask me who I am. He kind of looks at her funny, okay? And she says, ask me who I am. So the coach looks at her and says, okay, who is Hannah Scott? She says, and I wish I could deliver the lines like her. She says, I am created by God. He designed me, so I'm not a mistake. His son died for me just so I could be forgiven. He picked me to be his own, so I'm chosen. He redeemed me, so I am wanted. He showed me grace just so I could be saved. He has a future for me because he loves me. So I don't wonder anymore, Coach Harrison. I'm a child of God now. Just wanted you to know. Overcomer, great movie. Check it out. This and movies like it are a great alternative to a lot of the hot trash entertainment that's out there, including a lot of what Disney's putting out these days. We have to be very careful about what we fill our minds with. So this takes us to thinking about what is excellent. Merriam-Webster defines excellence as very good of its kind eminently good, or first class. Now for the believer, first class thoughts always come from God's word, from his spirit. Again, we see the critical nature of knowing God's word and hiding it in our hearts. We have to understand that the spirit's way is always the most excellent way. Romans 8 makes this clear to us. And if you'd like to know more about the spirit's work in us, by the way, Romans 8, is man, it's the place to go. What an amazing chapter it is. And you'll hear me quote it. Our small group went through Romans 8 this past year, and it was a tremendous blessing. The Holy Spirit's thoughts, our most excellent thoughts. Romans chapter 8, 5 through 6. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Now listen to this, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Life and peace as we set our minds on the Spirit. Now in Philippians 4, 4 4-9, we have two promises of peace, and this passage from Romans underscores this. Verse 9 here actually says that the God of peace himself will be with us. We see that setting the mind on the flesh is death, but the setting the mind on the spirit is life and peace. We have to set our minds on the things of the spirit, no matter the cost. We have to follow his excellent thoughts, even if we become outcasts, even. I remember having a conversation uh, Brittany and I did with a couple parents at a ball game. This past year, and the parent kind of confided in us saying that they had gotten their fifth grader a phone, and eventually it came out that, well, we really didn't want to get them a phone, but the reasoning was everyone else's kid had a phone. Now, I'm not going to uh, cross any barriers this morning. Each parent, set of parents are have their God-given sovereignty over their family. But what I will do this morning is to encourage you parents and grandparents with all of my heart here this morning, if God's Spirit is clearly leading you in a conviction that is backed up by His Word, obey it. Just follow it, even if you'll be an outcast or you don't know how it's going to end. Many of you already know what it is to be an outcast for Christ, whether it be family, friends, or coworkers that have distanced themselves from you or even outright don't talk to you anymore. So as we think about what is excellent, what are we allowing in our minds or in our kids' minds? Is it the things of the flesh or the things of the spirit? Is it the excellent way of the spirit? Parents, we have such a great responsibility in this. We can't just give in to the culture and say, well, this is just how things are. We're just going to go with the flow. We can't do that. We obey the lead of the Spirit of God, whatever it is, wherever it takes us. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, Paul says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And guys, notice Paul says fathers here, specifically. Paul's telling us, in a sense, to man up spiritually we as fathers and husbands are to lead our families in the most excellent way by His Spirit, setting our minds on the things of the Spirit. We're the watchmen on the wall for our kids. We're to lead, guard, instruct, protect, solidify their faith as it grows from a mental agreement to a deep-seated conviction as they grow. We are to lead our children at all times in the training and instruction of the Lord. Deuteronomy 6-7. We all love this, and it's beautiful, and for good reason. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you, when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. We have to teach our children diligently with courage, conviction, and truth. So as we think about what's true, what's excellent, we now turn to what's worthy of praise. And of course... This immediately leads us to Christ himself and his majesty. We set our thoughts on the Lord Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, the life. We fix our eyes on him. We read in Colossians 1, 15 through 20, and get a load of this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And as JD said, later we're going to be celebrating communion as Jesus has made peace with us by the blood of his cross. It makes me think of the hymn, Be Thou My Vision. It's one of my favorites. As we set our minds on the things of the Spirit, as we think of the majesty of Christ. These lines sum it up very well for me. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Thou my best thought by day or by night. Thou my best thought by day or by night. So Paul takes us in verse 8 from how we are to think. As we move into verse 9, how the Philippians should follow his example. He says, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Now it's interesting, on on first glance, that kind of sounds like, that's kind of arrogant, Paul, you know. Follow my example. But we understand that the more we get into it, he's not afraid to make this statement to the believers that he's ministered to. He also said this to the Corinthians In his first letter to them in the 11th chapter, he tells them to be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Remember last week, Paul set the example here as he was imprisoned in Philippi and beaten there. And remember what he was found doing there? Praying and singing hymns, rejoicing as our great example. So Paul can tell us to imitate him as he follows Christ. Now, my generation and younger, we especially need to seek out mature believers who can lead us closer to Christ. And younger believers, if you need help, or if you have questions about your faith, or if you just need someone to talk to about the Lord, reach out. We're all here. We have a wonderful shepherd team, godly men, and many other of us here who would love to help you out. So reach out. And I was the recipient of this. I mentioned this earlier uh, last week in my first time filling in here. I was so touched by those of you who came. And as soon as you found out I was filling in, many of you didn't even say anything. You just put a hand on me and started praying. I thought, all right, this is awesome. But uh, I was really touched by that. And not only did that bring me peace and comfort, but it was an example to me for what I want to grow to be able to do for other people. I wouldn't have thought to do that, but you did, and you are a terrific example for me as you follow Christ. Now, we again have a promise of peace in verse 9 as a result of following godly examples, setting our minds on the things of the Spirit. Have you ever been worried, sick about something, or anxious? And all it took was one conversation with a believer to set your mind at ease. And to make you feel like, okay, the Lord's got everything under control here. Well, I do believe the Lord many times provides his peace and his presence with us through the Holy Spirit of other people working in them as they minister to us. We are to follow godly examples. And so as we close this morning, Paul says to practice these things that we've seen in him. We are to rejoice, not be anxious pray about everything, set our minds on the things of the Spirit, and we're to follow godly examples. And this morning, what better way to set our minds on Christ than to celebrate communion together? Luke chapter 22, verses 14 through 20. And when the hour came, he reclined a table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Our Lord was crushed under the wrath of God for us, that we would be given forgiveness of sins. We remember him this morning, and we set our hearts towards him. And we invite anyone here who is a believer who does have faith in Christ, to participate in communion this morning. And you'll see the tables. See so here one, two, three tables. So as we sing this closing song, uh, please feel free at any time during the song to get up and take communion. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Thou my best thought, by day or by night. Thou my best thought by day or by night. So let's pray.